Welcome to the Higher Ed Jobs Podcast. I'm Andy Hibble, the Chief Operating Officer and one of the co-founders of Higher Ed Jobs. And I'm Kelly Sherwin, the Director of Editorial Strategy here at Higher Ed Jobs. Today, we're lucky to have Dr. James Martin, a senior consultant at the registry and also a senior contributor to Higher Ed Jobs. Thanks, Jim, for joining us. It's a pleasure. Thanks. Ready to go? Let's talk. It's nice to see you today, Jim, and get some time together. Thanks, Andy. Before we dive into our questions, Jim, can you give us a brief background on what the registry is and then explain why interims are more important now than ever? Yeah, that's a big question. Glad to. And at the same time, I'll try to come to the point. The registry is 29 years old, and it is the, as far as we are aware, it's the only firm in the country that only provides interims. A number of other qualified and well-known firms provide interim leadership. But we're the only one that does it exclusively. And so that's the business we're in. And I'm a consultant there, which means in essence, I'm one of six individuals that places people in interim jobs for usually either a semester or an academic year, sometimes more, rarely less than that. And it's easy to say that the business is very, very busy now for a number of reasons that I can try to explain. A lot of people are interested in being interims, and maybe in some ways more importantly for higher ed jobs, a lot of colleges and universities are becoming interested in retaining an interim leader. From the institutional perspective, what's the benefits of interim roles for a college or university? Well, as I've looked at this is, you know, for five to six years or so, I've seen some changes. Within that is COVID, and so I'm not going to lean too heavily on COVID, although it's a factor, no question. But what we're seeing is that institutions are hesitant to start what will be a multi-month and multi-hundred-thousand-dollar search to find what they will eventually need, which is another permanent leader. Because the institution, and now let's fill in the blanks, the institution may have had someone in a high level, provost or president, resign, get another position. Sometimes a senior leader, a VP for enrollment or an HR director will have become ill, or either that person or that person's significant other will have found a job in Tacoma, Washington, let's say. So institutions often are taken off guard by the departure of a valued leader. Sometimes it's also fair to add institutions have intentionally separated themselves from a former senior executive. Those institutions, when I put together all the placements I've done in the last several years, have been candid with themselves in saying, we're not ready to find a new president or provost or dean of nursing or business dean. We're just not ready to do it. And so we need help. And in the business that I do, we are able to provide an experienced interim who 100% of the time has held the job before. So there isn't a rehearsal. There isn't a tryout. We are able to provide people who have readily been there and done that, as they say, and can come in and either sometimes smooth the waters, calm what's going on, and allow the institution to recalibrate and reset. And over the course of a semester or a year, set the table for the search that they've been planning to do. Or increasingly, the interim comes in as a change agent. 
That's what we're seeing in more than half the time. And that person comes in to clear the decks because the interim isn't there, shall we say, to make friends, although the best interims are aware of that and work to do that. But they're there to make change. And so they're there because an accreditation report has been blunt about an institution, because donors have said we need an online program, and there is maybe faculty and or administrative resistance or a hundred reasons. So the interim is increasingly called in to be a change agent. The tradition of calming the waters is still there, but it's in the minority of cases. So back to your original question, institutions are seeing, hey, we could really hire someone who's had the job before, is only going to come for a time, but can help us recalibrate. Thanks, Jim. That That's a very thorough answer. And I think it actually touches on a few follow-up questions for me. While we don't want to specifically address COVID, obviously, the quote-unquote great resignation that we're seeing in higher ed, as well as many other industries, obviously have, have folks thinking differently, but also probably has institutions thinking differently. One of the things that, just to clarify, are most of the positions when they're looking for an interim, one that might be open to hybrid or virtual work, or almost all of these positions physically based nowadays, still even with the great resignation? Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking because there's, again, that's a fruitful question with a number of different answers. Um, during COVID, which isn't what this question and answer are really technically about, but nevertheless, during COVID, the institutions would only Zoom interview. I didn't have a single institution that wanted the person to come to campus. In the majority, now that's a year ago or two years ago, the majority of places were hiring someone, not even in a hybrid, Andy, but in a fully virtual or fully remote position. I was able to place, at their request, three chief student affairs officers who worked fully remote, and two of those three never went to the campus. Never. And it worked fine. I haven't, as I, I may have mentioned, I don't typically work on presidential placements. Others do that. I don't think that's going to work for a, for a president. But for all other positions, and I mean all other positions, back to the issue of the hybrid. Because some institutions really absolutely need a presence on campus, but because they don't need, they found, somewhat accelerated by COVID, because they don't need someone on campus all the time. The person is a dean or a VPAA or an SSAO. They're going to log on every day and talk to their staff. But in general, if they don't need to be there, a hybrid position might be the person comes for two weeks, sometimes a week, but usually not more than two weeks, and then returns home. And then would come back, and then there's a variety of things. In some cases, they would come back for the board meetings which are every, say, six weeks, not every three months, but every six weeks at some institutions. And they would be present for board meetings. Some cases, they'd come back one month, two months, three months later. And usually, they wouldn't stay two weeks. They'd stay two or three days. So a hybrid model, which sounds jarring to some institutions that have been for many, many decades focused on the quadrangle and campus life, and understandable, it's happening more and more and more, the hybrid the fully remote position, I'm still placing people fully remote, but that's somewhat fading away. By the way, back to the great resignation, 
it's fading away and people want people on campus, but my impression is it's never going to be the same. And that while there are some institutions that are actually, we might say, knee-jerking with, no, no, for us, the main of COVID's over, whether that's true or not, we want our dean of business on campus full time. My point is, I think in another year or two or three, a number of institutions, growing number, are going to start to place people in hybrid positions in their permanent position, not related to interim work, but in their permanent position. I think more and more people in higher ed are going to want to work at the very least in a hybrid position. I see that all the time. I do not see an unbridled return to the way things were five or 10 years ago. No campus that I work with is of that mind that we're going to go back to the way things were. People have changed. Yeah, that's for sure. We talked a little bit about the benefits of the institution and why and when, I should say, an institution might want to hire interim. So I want to flip over to the the candidate side. I know you said a lot of uh, your placements have been there, done that. But what if a candidate is new to this and is considering this for the first time? So I have a little bit of, I guess, a two-part question. What should they consider if they are doing this for the first time? And what are the benefits that candidates do receive as being interim? Because I'm assuming it's not for everyone. Well, no, I think specifically, I don't work with people that is young professionals in their 20s or 30s. Fairly said, they have careers to build uh, and really should. And they must take their chances in large permanent searches. Uh, I work with some people in their 40s, but generally I'm working in a cohort that is in their 50s and 60s and certainly in their 70s which is a reinvigoration for some people who didn't think they'd have that. But it's a complicated answer, Kelly, because there are people whose lives have changed apart from their job in higher ed. They very much want to remain as part of a higher ed leadership team, but maybe they live now in a different part of the country because of a significant other. Or in some cases, very much true with the aging of our population, They've returned home to take care of a parent. The people want to work, but they know, again, candidly, they can't enter a major search with AGB or Whit Kiefer. They couldn't give the time to it. So an interim position, again, for us, it's predicated on you've already had the job. We would be reluctant to take as an interim member and then place that person. Someone who has been, let's say, an assistant dean of business, or a professor of chemistry, or an associate dean of liberal arts, we wouldn't really work with an associate provost or an assistant dean because we want to be able to provide to the institution someone who's done the job. So people's lives have changed, I see, for hundreds of reasons. They are not of a mind to enter a permanent search. Maybe they don't feel they can enter a permanent search. They need a more mobile lifestyle. And so they want to become interims. They want the, I mean, I certainly could add the simplistic answer that the adventure, for some people, it's easy for me to say. They love the great puzzle that occurs on every campus. They love putting the pieces together and do that. And just because they may be let's say, 59 years old, and let's also be candid. A person who's 62 years old could prevail in a permanent search with a big five or a big 10 search firm, but they're not going to be in the front of the leadership selection, I would say. 
because that's the way life is in our country. And so here, interims, they are a sweet spot if you've been there and you're 55 or 65. Well, as I said, you're not going to find those people in the main populating permanent search pools with large firms. It's unfair in some ways. I see the other side of it because I see the vitality of these individuals and the experience and how much they want to work. So there's a lot to be said, but it does take a certain person. And as I said, in general, I'm not working with people in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. They're people who have had the experience and want to keep working. And also, maybe one last point, back to the point of significant others and family issues. They want a position that'll last for four, five, six months, and they know they'll be returning home again, rather than a position that is in, say, Tucson or in uh, Duluth, permanent, in which they have to leave family members, which, simply said, won't work because of family issues. Thanks for that, Jim. And I think it's it's a candid observation about some of the challenges as people age within the system. Right. And definitely, right. I think as a community, we, we really need to be thoughtful from a more of a global equity position of how we want to approach that. Is that a bias that we have as a community? And if so, how do we, how do we want to handle that bias? Because uh, I do think a lot of people would share that observation that, that you shared and for most people, it's not one that sits well with folks of, of any age. I think what's interesting is you look at the millennial generation and Gen Z, kind of the gig-based economy and gig-based work uh, in some professions like IT have become extremely popular. I'm going to ask you to kind of extrapolate, kind of understanding where your world is and where the sweet spot is now. But let's look into the, uh, the Jim Martin crystal ball of 2035. Are there benefits as you look down the organizational chart that maybe more interim positions, and, and maybe not just for six months, but a year to two year of a placement in positions growing because it fits the institution and it fits the, the candidate's needs at that stage of the career, maybe that becomes more of a, a transparent relationship. As people build careers, they may do so in two to three year chunks. Why don't we just be honest with one another that that's that's what we need. That's what we're looking for. And if there's a, another gig that lines up nicely after that gig, maybe I'll stick around, but I'm not looking for something permanent. And maybe as institutions in 2035, that might be something we consider. What does the Jim Martin crystal ball say on yeah. that? Yeah, big question. So several thoughts related to that. For example, you've said the magic word benefits. One of the things we haven't mentioned is that as an interim, you are not necessarily going to get benefits at the institution. They want to, maybe want to save that money. And so one of the things that an interim needs to be aware of is do you have health benefits? Back to that very point, the aging of our population. Do you have health benefits? So I find that a somewhat important and sometimes complex question. You need to have benefits. And so back to the 20 and 30 and 40-year-old people, we have not typically worked with those people because they're building a career. Now, crystal ball. I think that by 2035, we will see, easily see, individuals wanting to work in higher ed on shorter time frames. I think that is on a straight path forward in which people are going to want that. I also think that it is going to be, for higher ed, if not a shock, it's going to be an awakening because those people wanting to work in higher ed 
a la the gig economy, are going to treat higher ed like any other position in that regard. It's not going to be as august. It is not going to be uh, the ivy tower that we hear, although much of that is not what it used to be. I think there's a straight path forward to employees over the next 25 years to want to work in higher ed on shorter time frames. I think it will be more of an arc for the institutions themselves, meaning the institutions themselves are led by people who are typically not in their 20s and 30s, are not from the gig economy. Yes, there are more that are doing that. And almost every institution wants to play the game and talk that language. But in general, they're led by older individuals who did not come from that mindset and that professional development structure. So straight ahead for people wanting it, not so simple for institutions to provide it. Then the real crystal ball. So what do you think is going to happen then, Jim? I think that what people want as professionals and as persons is going to prevail. And I think institutions are going to have to live with a no harm done employee who works for three and a half years and then leaves. That's going to be some getting used to. Now, I should also qualify this. Although I was a faculty member for 30 years plus and a provost, I don't really work with members of the faculty in terms of placing them. That is yet different. We place administrators of all levels and all stripes. But I think there is a great reckoning coming for members of the faculty, again, of which I was one for 30 years. I think that they are going to work in shorter time frames, and I think they're going to have more mobile careers. So what does that portend for, for tenure? I don't have an answer to that. I think institutions will find their own paths, but I think tenure will change. I think it'll probably become a rolling five-year contract in which there is security, but no longer will the word permanent be. And if people who know tenure know that it's a guarantee of one-year contracts, it isn't permanent employment. So I think that we're going to find tenure will probably change, and there'll be trade-offs. If you want to be able to be mobile and move, well, you're not going to carry tenure with you as you don't now. And I'm going to apologize because I know there's probably a handful of listeners listening right now who are literally grabbing their computers by the throat and screaming at us saying, but what about adjuncts? And my good friend and colleague, Kelly, who has served in an adjunct role for a couple of decades and you, so I'm going to pose a question to the two of you. I think it's an understatement to say that the transition to the adjunct being a permanent part of colleges, universities, which I think you can say now was not necessarily a smooth one. If we're going to make a similar transition where you're signing up for semesters and years on the administrative side, how can we take the lessons learned from adjuncts and apply it to administrative positions in the future? Well, I have a dual perspective. Like Andy said, I've been an adjunct for, for many years, and I've been very fortunate to work for institutions who truly value and respect me. And I think that's the biggest piece of advice I think transferring over is having institutions treat the adjunct as a true member of the community. Sometimes adjuncts are kind of on yeah. on the side and forgotten. And, uh, you know, yeah, you're just a, a, a temporary semester to semester type employee. But once you are feeling that true sense of belonging and included in the whole academic community, be it an adjunct, be it an a administrative assistant, part of the leadership team, I think that that changes. I think that's my advice to transfer over. 
So that's my my perspective as an actual instructor. But in terms of being the director of editorial strategy here at Higher Ed Jobs, we've had pieces, you know, touching on on adjuncts and it definitely hits hits a chord. There's some adjuncts that unfortunately don't feel that value and don't get the compensation that they probably deserve. Don't get the feeling of like, oh, I'm going to be working again next semester. It's kind of a a feeling of like, do I have a job? So I'm not sure if Andy is that what you were kind of looking yeah. at. And and I think it's maybe the if you're looking down the generations from the boomers to where Kelly and I are, Generation X to the millennials, it's the decline of the promise of tenure. That is, folks have kind of seen higher education and going into a faculty role as that tenure track position. Finding that has become more and more elusive. And the splintering, even of faculty positions that are on the faculty that aren't adjunct permanent positions that are non-tenure track, also that those are highly, highly competitive. And it's it's interesting as we sit here and we're recording this, I feel like I'm, I'm a little remiss not to mention student debt here, that if you've gone and you've gotten a PhD and you've put yourself into debt with the promise of a tenure track position, and that's hard to obtain just because it it doesn't necessarily exist the way that it did at the beginning of the process or any point, I think people feel like it's kind of that promise that's decreased. It makes the adjunct position a necessity in some folks' instances. And that's, I think, where the frustration with it is. There, I think Kelly is correct. There are folks who, who are in those positions who really fits their needs and it's worked well. They're not the ones trying to choke the computer screen now listening to us. They're the folks who this has worked well for. But I think when change happens like this, the academic community, we do change better slowly. And I think the velocity of that change probably went quicker than what happened in in other industries where it was much easier to go to that more gig-like based work. Yeah. I certainly want to be careful and respectful in commenting because I work now with interim leaders who are administrators. And while interim, for the most part, they're full-time, some of them, although still not to your point, some of them are interim part-time. That also is sometimes the case. But I want to be respectful. I was an adjunct for institutions in my career and remember it freshly still. But I think that the best I can add Building on what you just said, Andy and Kelly, is that tenure seems to be declining in number, and I think that it will change going forward. And I think already it's changed that uh, high on the hill that someday I'll be permanently employed. I don't know how many people in the gig economy want that, but the best I can say is that an interim leader is going to be free of the baggage. That's almost always true free of the baggage of an institution and open to helping adjuncts advance. So the most positive glass half full, I can say then, is from my perspective, working with interim leaders, is that an interim academic leader is going to come in not laden with the backstories of adjunct life and maybe more open to employing adjuncts. I'd love to be able to say, but I can't really say today that down the road, there will be a meshing of the interim lifestyle and the interim professional objective and the adjunct that will in fact 
enhance both. I'm just not there yet in my own thinking, but it makes sense to me that the driver of that, again, I don't think it's going to be college universities administratively. I think it's going to be people that are coming out of, to overuse the word, the gig economy, who are not looking for tenure. I've met increasingly people who are not really seeking that. They are seeking uh, an invigorating, engaging career. They want to make a difference. They want to be thanked for making a difference going forward. And tenure, dare I say, for a rising number is not what they're really looking for. They're looking for being valued as professionals and being recognized for all the very hard work they earned in doing a PhD or a variety of terminal degrees. And tenure is an easy, oh, then you, then you want tenure. I find that answer much more complex. No, not necessarily. Building on what you both just said, I, I agree. It's very complex. And like Andy said, the movement in higher education is slow, but it's moving. I feel hopeful. Thank you for sharing your crystal ball with us, Jim. I'm respectful of the adjunct lifestyle, and I certainly hope any comments today about interims would be educative to how an adjunct may be able to advance her or himself working with an interim leader. But the business I'm in does not, in fact, work with adjuncts that much. So I don't want to, as I said, misspeak or be perceived as being anything other than respectful and supportive. I think the way folks are working since 2020, combined with the gig economy, combined with whether it's a spouse or the ability to buy on the Obamacare exchanges, your own insurance, and just personal preference of, of younger generations, when I, you kind of look into the crystal ball, it shows that we as an academic community, whether we're, we're out there looking for a position or we're, we're hiring for it, and it goes to your tenure comments as well, Jim, that what folks are looking for possibly a little bit different than what folks of 10, 20, 25 years ago were looking for. And we, we kind of need to pay attention to that. Yeah. And, and that the world has changed. And um, to a certain degree, we're, we're changing slowly, but we're not changing as fast as the world is changing. Here's a thought on that as we wind down. Uh, remembering when I was a provost for a, a long time, some of the most productive and creative conversations, respectful and supportive of adjuncts, who we hope are not always going to be adjuncts, are in the academic committees on campus that can actively bundle the courses adjuncts teach into a full-time load. No, not a tenure-track load. That's not quite the goal, but can bundle some of the most creative conversations I remember were chief academic officers who had an open mind and an open heart to working with adjuncts to bundle them into a full-time load if they wanted it. As you just said, Andy, sometimes they are not seeking that, but if they want it, and a full-time salary and benefits, but not tenure track. So there I do see a meshing. But the adjunct course load bundled into a full-time load, and many would be unhappy with that, I understand, but it would be progress for institutions, and I've seen it, to begin to do that. It lowers the number of adjuncts working at the periphery on the fringes, and it adds them to the full-time faculty, but they're not tenure track. Now, some would say, well, we've always had that, Jim. We've always had that. What I'm describing is an intentional strategy for an institution to do that on a sustained basis to strengthen the faculty, 
and support adjuncts. That's the most concrete answer I can provide to that, remembering how some provosts have really prevailed with that as a strategy, as long as it's intentional. Thank you for sharing that, Jim. I think that's that's really helpful. Yes, it's a pleasure to be with you, and I would be glad to come back at your request to continue the conversations. It's a pleasure, and I'm, a, as you both know, a tremendous supporter of what you do. Tremendous supporter. I'm happy to be associated with you. Thank you, Jim. It was so nice speaking with you today. Kelly, it was wonderful having Jim on the show today. I agree. I loved learning about his insights into the interim world. I enjoyed that as well. We're also very interested in your insights. So please reach out to us at podcast at higheredjobs.com or tweet us at higheredjobs and let us know what you think of the potential of being an interim or the value of possibly hiring an interim. And while you're at it, also let us know if you have any opinions on how the adjunct world may inform a future interim administrative world. We'd be interested to hear your thoughts. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to talking with you again.